You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do because... My friend and colleague, Darlene Marshall, is uh, what a wonderful person, and she hosts a sister podcast on the NASM Podcast Network called Better Than Fine. And if you've not listened to it, I suggest you check out Darlene Marshall's podcast. She is... um, she, she does such a great job hosting the podcast, and she has a master's degree in applied positive psychology. She really gets into why people do what they do and motivating them, and she's an NASM CPT. She is a big contributor to our wellness coaching course, and she invited me to be on her podcast, and she wanted me to talk to her group about beginning resistance training. And the thing about beginning resistance training is... You can't just tell people what to do. I don't think that's how it works. And so there may be some direct questions in there. What do people do when it comes to this? And I don't directly answer those questions. And the reason I don't is because it depends. And nobody wants it depends. Everybody wants this is the right answer for this person right now. Um, And because it depends, I kind of as graciously and uh, as wisely as I could moved around some of the questions and answered them how I saw fit. And I thought she did such a great job with the episode that we would play the Better Than Fine podcast episode with me as the guest on the NASM CPT podcast. So this is an episode of Better Than Fine, and thank you for checking out the NASM CPT Podcast. listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. And back when I was a little baby trainer, when I first became a personal trainer, I was taught that there are three kinds of goals that my clients would come into the gym with. Either they wanted to change the way that they look, their aesthetics, they wanted to work on bettering their health, or that they would want to enhance their athletic performance, right? They're going to like run a marathon or something. And that every client would come in with some combination of those three things. Now, fortunately, we have all kinds of research since then that shows that there are many other benefits to exercise. So there's benefits to mood, mental health, your confidence, how you feel about yourself, things like your hormone profile. And if you listened to the recent episode of the show on movement and purpose, you know that now we have documented scientific evidence that movement, including exercise, is actually the only evidence-based way that we have to enhance someone's sense of purpose in their life, which I think is pretty incredible. And obviously, picking up heavy things and putting them back down is going to be a part of that. Uh, So boom, across the board. Now, not everyone wants to go off and become a personal trainer. 
And not everyone has the resources that they could go off and hire a personal trainer. So the challenge then becomes, how do we get started with picking up that heavy stuff and putting it back down, doing it in a sustainable way and doing it in a way that supports our overall wellness and well-being? Now, fortunately, I know someone who knows a whole lot about that. Uh, our guest today is the owner of Independent Training Spot, which is a string of gyms all over New York City. He's a personal trainer, licensed massage therapist. He's an author. He's an adjunct professor. He is the host of our sister show, the NASM CPT podcast, Dr. Rick Ritchie, one of my favorite people out there in the fitness universe. Welcome to Better Than Fine. Let's talk about picking up heavy stuff. <laughs> Let's do it. Thank you for having me on your show. You know, I get a little jelly when I don't get an invitation every few months. So uh, it's awesome being here. And of course, this uh, this kind of thing started because I was like, I should have you on my show. And you're like, well, since you haven't had me on your show in a while, let me get you here first. So thank you. Thank you. I win. Thank you. I win the show off. Uh, you win the show off. You're such a show off. I win. I win showing off. Ha ha ha. But it, I'm very excited to have you on to talk about something Thanks. that I know we're both passionate about. Um, but when I think of the people that I want to learn from uh, about a thing that, yeah, no, I know a thing or three, but you know, like a thing or 50. Uh, so you're the guy. You are like Mr. Pick up heavy stuff and put it back down. Um, and I'm very excited to have you here to share this idea of, you know, so many times people hear that they should have some resistance training in, in their life and their workout. Um, but there's so much information out there. It can be so overwhelming. And so this episode is going to really focus on that true beginner. Uh, so let's, let's ease them into this thing that we love, um, with a, a kind of a silly question to start, but I honestly don't know, like, why do we call it resistance training? And I know I've been asked this before from clients, is it the same as strength training? That one I do know the answer to, but but where's the history of that language and what is it framed for us? That's, it's a great question. And I really like this question because the answer, once I give it, you'll be like, oh, that's <laughs> cool. I never really thought about it that way, right? But resistance training is what is going on with the either the gravity or the band or the pulleys or your body weight, uh, you're you're fighting against resistance. Mm. Strength is what you get out of it, oh. right? So resistance training and strength training are kind of like the same thing, except uh, strength training is physiologically your outcome versus resistance training, which is what you do in order to receive said outcome. Okay. So it's, it's essentially like the cause and the effect, right? So resistance yeah. is what I'm working against. Strength is the effect that the benefit to me, but we're, we're slapping names on the same thing essentially for like the end client, the general consumer, you hear resistance training, you hear strength training, think I'm, I'm moving against a load. Yeah. 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 But, but when you think about strength training, that conjures up a lot of different ideas for people. So I think it's very important to point out that when you talk about when you're doing resistance training and you're focusing on endurance, you're focusing on endurance strength. Mm. When you're focusing on um, there's there's endurance strength, there's balance strength, there's strength where you are trying to 
get greater endurance at doing something heavier. So we call that strength endurance. Uh, and it is a type of strength training. There's power endurance where we try to get better at doing powerful movements while minimizing recovery and adding something else in. So like there are a lot of different versions of speed uh, of strength training, kind of like there are different versions of speed, right? Somebody's really good at running distance. Um, you know, they, we always use marathon runners. So there's somebody who's a marathon runner and they do great. But the, the guy that's doing the sprinting or gal are not necessarily crushing the marathon. It's, it's a different request. It's a different training technique and it provides different outcomes. And they're the intermediate people who are running the in-between distances. And, and I honestly think like, you know, you find what strength training outcomes you want or you find the type of resistance training you like. Mm. And you might want a different outcome than the resistance training that you're doing, but you're not going to get what you like unless you find like you, the outcome you want, unless you find something you like first. So focus on like doing the something that you enjoy doing. So if you you say, I don't want to like I want to get a little more muscular, but I don't like lifting heavy or it hurts my joints or whatever, whatever that could potentially be. Yeah. 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 So we put these constraints on it. Right. And, uh, and these are um, enjoyability constraints, right? So uh, volitional restraints, and I put these uh, constraints on there. And then once I feel more comfortable with doing something, maybe a lighter weight, then I say, well, if I really want a certain outcome or I want to get stronger or I want to maybe develop more muscle, then I can push myself a little bit harder and I can add a little more resistance. I can take a little less rest, whatever, whatever those things are um, that you're setting for your goal and just start to implement them. But yeah. Oh, girl, we're about to we're about oh, to do yeah, it. Say, we're, we're about we're to going do all it. over the place. Hold on, hold on. We got so many gems to circle back. I know, but this is the broadening building. That's yeah. what broadening and building is. Ah, he brought up upward spirals. Ah, he brought up positive motion research. <laughs> ah, don't panic. Don't freak out. Okay, but I want to. I don't want to lose our listener along the way because they we just dropped a whole bunch of ideas and terminology into their lap, and I want to make sure that they ride along with us. And so you talked about. Endurance, strength, endurance, strength, uh, power, uh, like all of these different outcomes and variables. And then you mentioned um, a little bit about like load scheme and rest. And um, so I want to start just by differentiating, you know, when we're talking about resistance training and we throw out the word endurance, people hear endurance and they think cardio, but we're talking about picking up heavy stuff. So could you start by just like break that term out for us when we talk about endurance? in strength training, what do we mean? All right. So the endurance is, is endurance strength is fighting against a resistance for high reps. And so we see like high rep ranges usually between, we'll consider them 15 to 20 or 25 repetitions. Uh, however, you can do high rep stuff for even longer. If you think about um, things like kettlebell swings, if you're doing that for 60 seconds, that's, that's endurance training, right? Like you're doing that for prolonged periods of time. You, you probably can crush 30, 40, 50 reps. Some people can do pull up. I'm sorry, push-ups for some people pull-ups, but push-ups for 30, 50 reps. Like that's fantastic, but that's endurance. The thing yeah. is when people do that though, they are also pushing themselves 
through those end repetitions and in an endurance training, it is those last repetitions where the real benefit comes because you're starting to build up like, you know, this kind of burning sensation and exhaustion and even doing things like push-ups or squatting, your heart rate goes through the roof. So when people also take cardio and they say, well, this is cardio and this is strength training. And I always tell people <laughs> like, my favorite cardio is strength training. Is strength training. Yeah. Yeah. Kettlebell swings, definitely endurance. Um, oh, but yeah. I think the way that I always frame to clients is muscular endurance, strength endurance is, can I repeat the pattern over and over and over and over and over and over and over as many times maintaining good form and control, right. Without degrading the pattern. And that's partly what we're training. And I think that's, that's what I hear you saying. And, you know, we talk about these different rep ranges. Um, and I think the other big thing that people encounter when we're talking about this is the different rest intervals. I know a another beginner question I get a lot is, well, why do I have to rest 60 seconds? Can I just keep going? Um, so could you speak a little bit mm. to like rep ranges and rest, since I think that's another one, and then let's get deeper yeah. into the meat of like, how do we get going in a, in a sustainable way that then leads to all the broaden and build stuff that you were alluding to? Yeah. So uh, another great question. So if we're doing repetitions, uh, let's say you're doing 15 repetitions and it's time to take a break, right? We said, we're going to stop at 15 and you can, you can do this as like, you know, uh, you know, curls, bicep curls and you get to 15 and you're like, I don't even need a break. I, can I just keep going? Um, you're not doing strength training most likely uh you, yeah you're, you're, you're not, in deep in the endurance at that point yeah right? yeah you're doing like yeah it's like bicep cardio so <laughs> oh it sounds like my nightmare <laughs> <laughs> me, me too go me stand too. here and get bored stand just, here and get bored. 45 minutes i'm gonna watch an episode well, of friends along <laughs> So that ultimately what you're doing is you're saying, listen, and we're going to give you that 15 repetition range or 20 repetition range, 25, whatever. But by the time you get to the 20 or 25 repetitions you're aiming for, you should be really close to your end of actual ability to do it or do it in good form, as you had talked about, which is important to say as well, right? So the if you don't need a break, at the end of the repetitions, then you need to up your weight. So the only break that should be taken at that point is let's take the time to exchange those dumbbells for heavier ones. Dig it. Perfect. Um, you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. My guest today is Dr. Rick Ritchie. He's an NASM master instructor. He hosts the NASM CPT podcast, and he has probably forgotten more about resistance training than I've ever learned. Uh, <laughs> so let's peel the onion one step further, which is you just alluded to a moment ago when we talk about I'm just getting started with resistance training. Mm. I'm not really sure what, what modality to try, what equipment to try, what this, what that. And you gave excellent guidance for the beginner, um, which we can sum up with saying, pick things you like, but why does that matter? And if, what do I do if I don't know what I like? Oh, so many people don't know what they like. That's a, that's a, such a great point. Darlene, you're such a good host for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's true. Like people don't know what they like and they show up, uh, you know, a lot of times people will sign up for a gym and they go in there and they just kind of meander and it's, you know, aimless and, um, 
without understanding what to do and then they they get on something a machine because they see something else somebody else on it and you know they can figure out pulling the pin out and plugging it in and finding weights that they can do but they're they're not comfortable and it's all this feeling of mm. i don't feel like i'm doing it right and as as i am familiar you too like feelings very much dictate um, how people are successful. And so they could even be doing it right. But if they don't have confirmation, they don't have confidence, they don't feel efficacy in what they're doing, then you can do things right and stop doing it because you don't feel connected to it or yeah. it's pointless or why am I doing this? Uh, and if you don't think you're doing it right, uh, you, you're going to shy away from it. And it's just, again, there's a confidence issue that, that leads you down and it, con uh, it, it contracts your, uh, I, I, love, I love this quote. I can't remember who said it, but it was like, uh, bigotry is like the, the pupil of an eye. The more light you shine on it, the more it contracts. Mm. Uh, and I thought it was a great quote, but to change that also and use the word confidence, right? So if you lack confidence, and people are, you feel like people are watching you and shining lights on you because that's what it feels like when you're at a gym. Even if nobody's there is watching you and nobody cares, <laughs> right? Nobody cares, but you feel that way. And that's you know, when we start to shrink. I think, I think you're speaking to something really important that the absolute beginner really needs to understand from two, from two personal training professionals. Um, you're describing the person who even had the efficacy to walk in, join the gym and poke around at a couple machines. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who feel they can't even do that much. And yeah. I also, I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little, a little pushback at you, Rick, which is um, I worked at a very sassy gym for many yes, years. Uh, and the structure of that gym was actually, <clears throat> if you were on the weight floor, you were kind of on a stage so that, People, you know, the rationale from corporate was, well, then people are watching the personal trainers work. If they're on the cardio, they're more likely to hire a trainer and all of that. But what it actually did was the people who didn't have high efficacy felt even more on the spot. And because it was such a sassy gym, people were <laughs> watching and commenting. And there are definitely people, and I'm certain people listening to this show, who have had other people give them side eye, make snarky comments, because I've had that happen to me on the training floor and I know what I'm doing. Um, right. And I that because if there's somebody listening, I want to normalize and validate that their experience is real and it matters. And while there are probably a lot of people who nobody ever pays attention to what they're doing in the gym, there are also a lot of people who are made to feel like they don't belong and like they're uncomfortable. And for people like you and I who want them to feel welcome, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's also infuriating for you because we think everybody should have access to these spaces. Everyone should be welcome to these spaces. And I think social media has made it even worse in the time I've been a trainer because now you've got people who are mm. recording other people's workouts. They're putting them up on TikTok and they're criticizing what they're doing. And that's just absolutely not okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're that's right about that. <laughs> you're right about that. And so my, my point, so I'll give you this example from me. Yeah, please. And this is a personal example. And uh, one was years and years ago, I was dating a young woman who was a cycling instructor and I was a personal trainer at the gym. And I was a hot shot. I was a no. stud personal trainer. I'm going to yeah, go in and I'm going to take this cycling class, right? And 
I was like, when is this thing going to be over? I am dying. <laughs> this is the most awful experience. I, and so I looked, I was like, this is only 45 minutes. It's got to be close to time. And I swear, darling, this is a true story. I looked yeah. at my watch and we were eight minutes in and I was like, no, no, no. Like, but this was me trying to be who I am in on the training floor in a place that I've never been, something that I've never done, believing that I can be just as effective, just as efficient, just as uh, confident, and then realize that all of those people that are in that spin class are crushing it and I, I don't know what I'm doing. So it's fast forward way. a few years later. I Same thing, I never went running because I was I was terrible at running. And here's the thing, Darlene, you're terrible at running when you practice running and then you're not good at it and then you stop <laughs> yep. and, you, and then you don't <laughs> run again for a year or two and then you try it one more time and you're like, I'm terrible at this and then you stop. So why would I be good at running? And uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do I'm going to be my own personal trainer with this, which is stop going out there trying to run and keep up with everybody and and which is impossible which is also why it was so hard for me to do and so I did a couple runs and they were short I was like let me just do a very short run let me do a lap around the wherever I was in the park right this little this little area in the park and then I was like, I can build up to it run slow do your like 130 beats per minute heart rate and like just be like slow endurance cardio and i was still terrible at it and my you know my muscles were sore and i was like why am i so sore from this and then one day i was like all right i'm gonna go for a, a little bit longer run and this woman runs out in in front of me like the the pages the paths merged and she was older she was short she was very round she was a heavy what would be considered an obese woman she had terrible feet turnout and I was like, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let this woman pace me. Mm. And after about 60 seconds, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let her go. <laughs> just, bye. 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 And so like there was a judgment on my part when I saw her and I was like, oh, okay. Like she's going to be slower than me. She's going to be like, I, I made up this whole story in my head yeah. that wasn't true and she could be running every single day of her life right or she could be new to it and just be way better than me right so there are these moments where i had to get over myself and it you know it's easier for me to say that because i feel more confident doing difference of physical activity but it's also, a, you know, I had to overcome an ego where I was clearly not good at select things that I was going into. But I use that as a means of saying, here I am stepping back and saying, you don't have to try your hardest. You don't have to win. You don't have to seek approval from anybody that's running and running past me. And they're thinking, why is that guy running so slow? Because they're probably not. Now, there are people in situations that are thinking that. And, and I remember this guy that came to my wife, when my wife and I were married, he came to our wedding and he was like, he was like Lenny Kravitz. He was just so freaking cool. Like cool. everything, like styled like him, his hair was like his. I was like, what a stud. And my wife said, I remember being in college with him and 
somebody came up to him and said, uh, this group of people, like they're really talking about you. They, they're really, you know, they, and my, the best comment I've ever heard is he looks at the person who says it and he goes, their opinion of me is none of my business. I love that line. And it, now it takes a, it takes a strong person to, to say that, to own that. Um, and I, I wasn't strong at the time, but that every time I start thinking about where I am and what I need to challenge in an uncomfortable environment, because it's uncomfortable because what I think other people think of me, I have to always go back to, to that guy and, and remember that statement and see if that can give me some type of confidence or strength, or at least stop, stop feeling the pressure, whether it's there or not, of what other people's perception of me is. Yeah. And the identity shift, right? That it's yeah, okay yeah. to be who I am in this space and no one's going right. to make me feel like I can't. And thank you for sharing those stories and anecdotes, because I think that this is a topic that we don't talk about enough in the mm. fitness space. Um, you know, the wellness space has its own <laughs> issues in terms of uh, accessibility and inclusivity. Um, but I appreciate your willingness to go down this particular rabbit hole with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. We're talking about beginning resistance training with expert trainer and my friend, Dr. Rick Ritchie. We, we wandered there for a second, but I think it was an important <clears throat> wander because if we're going to invite beginners into our gyms and fitness spaces, we have to be willing to open the doors to them. And we want the beginners to know, please come in. You are welcome here. So let's talk a bit about what they do when they get there, because we were talking about how do we choose where to start? And you had suggested we start with what we like and people don't necessarily know what they like. So let's circle back to that question for the beginner going into the gym for the first time. How do you encourage them to figure out what to do, what to try, what to touch? How do they know? Yeah, I, I'd like say, first of all, oh, sorry, go ahead. I jokingly said, don't take a cycling class. That's what we've learned. Don't take episode. a cycling Yeah, don't start there. <laughs> the first eight minutes will be awful. Or <laughs> anyway. at least don't actually go all out don't for all the out. first eight minutes. No. Like just listen, listen to the teacher uh, <laughs> and slow down. So um, I, I'd say back up before you even step into the gym where I literally have told people when you were a kid, do you, did you like swinging on a swing? And they said, yes. And I said, when's the last time you've done it? And they said, it's been a while. And I was like, then just hit up a park and like an open park, not just a kid's park and go swing, right? It's creepy if you're an adult and without children swinging. But if you're, if you're in an open park, not a kid's section of the park, go and get on the swing and swing. I was like, you, the pushing and the pulling and the arms and the fun and the reminder of the times that physical activity brought you joy. Okay. Like that's, that's a really uh, a good starter, right? Like even without the gym, because as we stated, like the gym can be a scary space if you don't know what you're doing. So start with something that you know, and you recall that you found joy in. And I think the biggest thing, and this is, I'm sure appreciated by you, it's not whether or not that's going to help you reach your goals. Um, it, it wasn't, it, it's not to see if we can swing to reach your, your fitness goals. Uh, it is whether or not you can start swinging, uh, on, on a chain swing at a playground yeah. 
to see if you can get back in touch with movement and the enjoyment of getting up and getting out and doing something because a little bit of something, something better than a whole lot of nothing. nothing. (laughs) So originally said by Rick Ritchie on the show. Yeah, I think, and it immediately made me think of all these other things, right? Like a, a friend of mine and I, the, the, the most sore that I have been recently was a friend of mine and I went uh, roller skating and oh, like my butt and my quads and I lived, they were killing me. I was yeah. like, oh man, this is so much harder than I remember when I was 10. Um, <laughs> yes. But there's all kinds of playful things that we can invite into our lives. Um, we've had a recent episode on adult play. You know, there it, mm. it can be uh, very challenging for people to open up the playfulness. And so I love this little example of just, just go try something that you used to like. Um, and I'm also reminded like swinging a kettlebell actually feels remarkably similar to the rhythm of swinging on a swing. Um, and so there are ways that you can bring that kind of playfulness into resistance training. Um, but let's say that somebody's already, you know, they play soccer with their kid, they jog 5k, they do yoga and they're like, no, I definitely want to pick up some heavy things and put them back down. I just don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Where did they go? Yeah. So you can start on your own. I think just doing bodyweight exercises where you feel comfortable uh, starting with what you're comfortable starting with. Like That's always the first step. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, start with what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And then if you're comfortable going to a gym, right? So you're making your way to a gym. Uh, I would suggest seeing if you have a friend, first of all, that knows something about exercising at a gym that also knows that you're new to it, that will not absolutely destroy your body the first time you're there. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go with the person who's too intense. (laughs) Yeah. So, because the problem is with people that lift regularly that aren't professionals, they kind of think that people can do what they do on their maybe light days or their easier days. And I'm telling you, like one set of resistance training, like doing squats for somebody who has never done squats, one set might be enough to keep them, um, you know, a little too heavy or a little too slow or a little too whatever. It might be enough to make them be like, I'm really sore and I don't like this feeling. So this is why I always tell people also when you when you're starting out, like start slow I think the majority of people, uh, some research I saw a while back was like they started resistance training program and stopped within six months, right? So mm-hmm. the majority of people are, are in that category. But why are they in that category? And that's the question we need to ask. And sometimes I think it's because um, a, a couple of things. One, when you go into a gym, most people start as if they are trying to solve their fitness concerns today. Mm. And that is a dangerous approach to it. Like you are not going to see results today. You're not going to see really any results this week, most likely not for the next month. It's going to take a little bit of time for your body to get used to it. The first things that happen are neurological, not morphological, which means your body is just getting used to engaging more muscle fibers. Neurologically, my nerves create muscle contraction, but we only request so many of our muscles to fire 
if we're not lifting heavy. And so mm -hmm. when we start lifting heavier, the nerves that have been like rusting on the side are like, oh, we have oh to wake up, oh muscle, slap it around, wake up, wake up. <laughs> so well, then the morphological stuff happens as you get a couple of weeks into months down the road. Let's add a small wrinkle to that of some yep. of the hormonal changes happen mm. while you're exercising. So for somebody That's who's exercising true. for overall well-being, for mood, for mental health, you're going to feel better probably that day there's um, research in the positive psychology space that shows that someone who exercises or engages in a bout of intentional movement reports more positive events for the next 24 hours. So for mm -hmm. that person who's doing it to feel better in their feelings, uh, yeah. you'll actually feel better that day. Uh, and so while the physiological adaptations take time, the emotional adaptations are almost instantaneous depending on what you're doing. Um, so go I love your that feelings. You said that. <laughs> I love that you said that. And and the problem is like you see the world I live in revolves mostly around physiological adaptations. Yeah. And so, but, but we talk about it with clients where they're like, man, I feel better right now. You know, I didn't yeah. want to come and work out. Now it's over. I feel like a million bucks. This is amazing. Uh, we do know that within the very first exercise bout, you can decrease the feelings of depression, anxiety, and stress, and over time can actually get better um, with people who that exhibit schizophrenia. So that's not necessarily mm -hmm. an immediate, but it is something that over time actually is supported in the literature that shows that that starts to um, to to get better. And so there's there's a lot of importance when it comes to contracting our muscles, engaging our muscles. And we also see this with cardiorespiratory training too, right? So I, I know we're, we're kind of sticking and focusing on resistance training, but cardiorespiratory training gains many of these same benefits as well. And so it's just like, listen, you've got, you've got several sandboxes to play in. And in mm -hmm. my opinion, you just find which portion of it you want to play in and get in there. And move your body. <laughs> Move, yes. So I think where where our open loop still is, is what's the threshold where someone knows or, or thinks that they could benefit from professional guidance? And, and obviously, mm. perfect magical fantasy world, everybody could afford a trainer. Not everyone can afford to have three sessions a week with a personal trainer. Does everybody need that? I think we could debate. But how do I know I need a fitness professional's guidance? How do I know I can find someone who's not um, what Matthew likes to call a charlatan? Um, my husband's been a trainer for 25 years. And when a great he really thinks that a trainer is just not worth their stuff, it's charlatans. He gets very upset. Um, how do we know someone isn't a charlatan? How do we know that we need a trainer? Um, and if we can't afford a trainer, where else might we go? I realize I just asked you like five questions. So. Yeah, so I will I will do my best to. I'm educated. Know. I'm not smart, so I, I, I think for the how like two decades that you've been educating personal trainers, I think other people would call you shenanigans on that <laughs> charlatan. Charlatan <laughs> shenanigans. Uh, uh, so yeah, take us through it. Uh, I love it. I love it. So. Um, the when to call a professional first of all like you i think that it is okay to tap a professional on the shoulder and be like hey listen i see you around here i see you training people 
and I see how you engage with them. And I think you do a really great job. You seem like a very friendly person. And I'm just, I just want to approach you to ask a few questions because I can't afford personal training. So can I just bend your ear for a moment and talk to you because I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And, uh, I, I would be willing to say that the majority of people that you approach like that are going to give you some time. They're going to, they're going to give you some time and say, I just love that you ask questions and that you want help and support. So you're probably, you're not going to get trained. Um, and, And some people out there will be like, you know what, I'll do a session for free just to give it to you, right? Like there are blessings that are going to come from asking the question. So ask the question, but, uh, and, and, and get some guidance. React salty. That's one of the ways that you can call out a charlatan, right? Like, oh, that's a person who's not in this industry for the right reasons. Um, that's that's yeah. one of the ways you know is the people who are like, oh, no, no, man, Google it. Like, oh, right. Uh, yeah. I don't want their help anyway. Um, and, and if one reacts that way, just know that not not all of us are like that. No, right? Um, yeah, that's very true. So tap someone on the shoulder. What else? What else? What's the next peel of the onion? Uh, I, I will say this, like there are excellent workout routines that, that you'll probably be guided towards, especially if so many personal trainers now have, oh, well, I don't, I can't afford personal training. Then maybe you can afford group training. So let's, let's go down piece by piece, right? So group training is now it's two people or three or five people in a group, right? So we've got a small group that you don't pay full price. The trainer ends up getting paid more. Not everybody's paying one-on-one session rates, but everybody's paying a little bit more than what you would do if you actually took like a group exercise class. Um, And so it's beneficial for the personal trainer. It's beneficial for you because you're paying far less than a one-on-one personal training uh, and you're working with others. And I like this in many respects because... I'm going to make a circus analogy, uh, but I don't want it to be uh, you know, disparaging in, in its way. But so what happens when in the circus when the ringmaster is working with animals, so let's say tigers, is that the tigers learn a lot less from the ringmaster than they learn from the other tigers who are following cues mm. that the ringmaster is doing, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and many of those other animals, when you're not doing the right thing, you are getting side-eyed, right? like, but I, that's a, it's, it, it's like supportive. It's an environment yes. where you can ask questions yes. and you can show me this and other people can support you in the process. Um, and, I, and, and I'll give another example. My, my daughter, we, she was doing jujitsu for only a, a few weeks and she was like, I just don't like it. First of all, she's coming of age. And so wrapping your legs and wrestling people is not what she finds to be something that she wants to do in downtime. Different girls like different things. Yeah, <laughs> She's too young. So it's, <laughs> what she said is, uh, I, I don't also, I also don't like that. I don't know what I'm doing and other people have to help me. And that's not their job. And I looked mm. at her with like the most love in my heart. And I went, it is their job. Yeah, their like job. that's what, that's what you do when you do a group, like you're, you're in there. That's what community to does. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I want to encourage you that. And then, so if you're going personal training, can't do it, small group training. So can I work out with a couple of more people that are paying and we can bring the price of a session down, go for that. And then of course there's, 
Uh, as a personal trainer, you can also do group exercise classes at the gym. Usually they're free with your membership. And I think that's a great way to get in the door. Just see if there's a um, kind of a leveling system. So it probably won't say beginner, intermediate and advanced because corporations don't like to, <laughs> to make people feel that way because there are a lot of people who've been exercising for a long time, but can only do that quote beginner level, right? So um, we, we use different terminologies just to try to make people feel comfortable in where they are. But, but even, if, oh, I, I just want to speak to this idea of a beginner because um, some of the most skilled personal trainers I know have the simplest workouts because yeah. a lot of times the most basic movements are actually the most effective when we talk about longevity and function and well-being. Um, mm-hmm. And while, you know, burpees and crazy kettlebell stuff and vipers and all of this like specialty equipment like looks really cool and can be really fun it's not always going to be the thing that will be of the most benefit so the boot camp classes can be really cool but you don't have to do boot camp classes to be successful in whatever it is that you're pursuing um and i say that as somebody who can't do boot camp classes because i always get hurt because of the eds Mm. um and so just because somebody's doing wild stuff doesn't mean they're actually the most knowledgeable practitioner um and i think you know let's just if we can speak for just a second to you know internet-based resources and how do i know Mm -hmm. that i'm not getting totally taken for a ride by Mm -hmm somebody on Instagram trying to sell me, you know, a, a package or whatever. Sure. So that, that next kind of tier down when you're working with personal trainers, a lot of personal trainers now have an online business where you can do programming. And mm-hmm. if they don't have like a delivery system, like an app here, I use this app and this is my, my app, which is just a rebranded section of the app for yeah. that trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, they could probably just like, write it down and be like, Hey, here's, you know, can you give me a workout that I can do for the next four weeks that I can do twice a week and just write it down and I'll pay you, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Like, what would you charge me? And to, to just write it down, knowing where I am, knowing what you know about me, just in this brief conversation, because I tapped you on the shoulder. Remember that, like talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there's, they, they do programming, like monthly programming, which is different than training. Programming is writing out an exercise routine that you hand off to somebody and say, this is what, um, what you're going to be accountable to do, what I'm giving to you for this. Now, with that being said, you can get exercise workouts and even programs with a google search right but doing something where somebody has known they know you and they've met you and they understand that you don't like to do things on a stability ball and you will never want you don't like uh the loops that you might do certain exercises with and it hurts when i do something overhead all right so that's all taken into account and that's a lot different than just a google search that that brings up a program um but there are people out there that are selling programs that are, in, in many instances, charlatans. Now, it doesn't mean that they don't exercise or work out. It just means that they're not personal trainers. You know, I'm, uh, I feel pretty confident. Like, I can, I can speak a little bit on sleep. But, you know, I'm going to defer to people I know that are sleep experts 
if it really comes down to this conversation, like Dr. Allison Brager or Dr. Rebecca Robbins, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, those are your people. They went to school and they study sleep and they research it, right? So, but I can talk about it. There are some people that can talk about fitness, but they're not professionals at mm. fitness. And how do you parse out who these charlatans are? Uh, <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, uh, like, you're probably not going to know. And so the first thing that you can and and I think should do is your the the first stop is are do they have uh, a reputable certification? Yeah, that's the that's the first step. Like you just have to be certified as your first step. And this goes for any fitness professional that's listening to this podcast. Like your certification is your minimum barrier to entry to this field. So don't think that you got certified and now you're like, I'm just the same as the person who's been training this long and been doing that. And no, no, no. It's just that you've passed your starter course <laughs> and it is time when you're ready, right? Like a lot of people, they do that certification. They're like, my brain is bent for a few days or months <laughs> or a year. Like I need a break, but then you've got to get back into it and sharpen your sword again. And one of the best ways you can do that is being around other people who sharpen their swords. Do they go to conferences? Do they do webinars? Do they actively seek out educational opportunities? And that's the kind of stuff that you want to know because uh, they're flexing their brain muscles, so to speak, and, uh, and to be better at delivering a service to you. And, and that should be held uh, highly valuable to to somebody that's seeking a personal trainer. So what is their education and what is their relationship with learning when it comes to their job? Yeah, I hear, I mean, definitely echoing the the certification as the the starter, the, the, the ground floor. Um, I think the other thing I want to highlight is you said most trainers, most trainers, because I do know some excellent trainers who don't have online presences, but a lot of them do. And taking a look at their content and making sure that their values, their mission, their ethics align with your value system. Because I, I certainly mm. know some people who have, you know, they have beliefs about, you know, whether it's wanting to be rate neutral, wanting to just focus on their health or their well-being. And then they go and hire a fitness professional who keeps pushing, you know, weight focus on them or other goals that they don't actually have for themselves. It's like, well, yeah, but oh, did you look at their so socials? Good because their socials are very transparent about their belief system. And so regardless of what your goals are, bothering to check, does this person's values and beliefs and methodology align with what I want for myself? Because if they're not if they're not pushing a narrative that matches what you want for yourself, you're not going to get the thing you want for yourself. Oh, they're going to push what they believe on you. Such a beautiful and great example. And I and I tell people when I teach a workshop, when we used to teach work workshops for NASM. It's been a while <laughs> since we've done live workshops. Uh, but, you know, the you go in because you want a certain thing. And if you work with a Pilates instructor, you're going to get Pilates. And you work with a bodybuilder, you're probably going to get bodybuilding and you work with a sprinter, you're going to be doing a steps and, and butt kicks. And like, th that's what you're going to get. But if you work with a personal trainer who is kind of a generalist, and I think all trainers need to be a generalist, but they're pushing bodybuilding or they're pushing uh, Pilates or whatever, it doesn't mean that they don't have their niche. I think everybody does. But are they giving you what you want. Now, I, as a personal trainer, also try to manage expectations when it comes to that, right? I have to manage expectations because 
if you're coming to me for weight loss, then I have to say weight loss is, is very well supported with fitness, but it's not how weight loss really occurs. And I know every trainer just now who's listening to your podcast goes, don't say it to the <laughs> public, Rick. <laughs> the lie must continue. It's not a lie. Like most people, you lose weight through the diet. Most people that are successful with it have better outcomes when they have a fitness program in place. So with that being said, like if I'm trying to pitch you something that I can do, and first of all, it's not working, or if I'm giving you something that's not providing the, the outcome or the experience that you want. I don't like doing this, but you keep making me do it. Sometimes people don't like doing anything. So you have <laughs> to pick the things that they hate the least in yeah. order to keep them there. And like you said, too, like the other tools, when we talk about resistance versus strength training, resistance training tools are things like the Viper and you know, um, a, a oh, domed cable. inflatable ball and things like that. And those things can be good for fitness, but they're also just good for novelty where you go, oh, this is fun. This is a cool thing. And sometimes we just need fitness to be fun and cool. And then we can focus on all the other stuff when, when it comes to outcomes. Sometimes we got to just go swing on the swing, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> um Rick, thank you so much for your generosity of time and spirit and knowledge with your smart smart brain uh where can we find you out on the interwebs oh thank you for asking so you can hit me up on instagram at dr.rickrichie r-i-c-h-e-y i'm also on the threads now the, the instagram partner and uh, then you can also email me if you've got questions rick.richie at nasm.org and you can check out Rick's show, the NASM CPT podcast, where you can learn all kinds of deep things about personal training, resistance training, and fitness profession as a whole, and, and all the wonderful things. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show, Rick. Thank you. Uh, and if you desire to be helping people make effective, sustainable change uh, in more of a wellness mindset, I strongly encourage you to check out NASM's Certified Wellness Coaching course, which Rick was also a contributing author to as well. Uh, if you're already a positive psychology practitioner, I'm going to sit here, I talk about movement, I talk about fitness, I talk about the body and all that stuff. Um, obviously, positive psychology practitioners are focused on well-being. If you want to be able to guide your clients, your patients to enhance their physical wellness and well-being, this is a way that you could do that. Um, to get information, I want you to head to nasm.org, click wellness at the top, and I've got a little surprise for you. Uh, if you decide you want to do the course and you want to get an additional $600 off, you can use my code MarshallCWC at checkout. That's M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-C-W-C for an additional $600 off. If you would like some other resources for your own well-being, I want to point you to the More Better Substack, uh, which is betterthanfine.substack.com. There you're going to find additional practices, resources, workbooks, uh, bonus episodes of the show for paid supporters. And if you're a fan of my work, you want to support that work, of course, you could do that there. That's betterthanfine.substack.com. And if you're a fan of the show, I hope you've already subscribed. If you haven't, you're going to want to do that. And I would love to hear your feedback. You could email me. It's info at darlene.coach. I'm on Instagram. That's darlene.coach. I'm on threads. That's darlene.coach. You might be picking up on a theme. Like, subscribe, share, tag us. Thank you so much for being a fan of the show and be well. Thank you.